0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a new edition of Pod by the Bay. It's our week one. We finally made it. Recap slash preview. I'm your host, Nathan Bond, joined alongside Seth Barnador, Robert Stieg. Guys, after what seemed like nine tediously long months, we actually have some real-life football to discuss. The South Florida Bulls went up to Bowling Green, Kentucky. And for about three and a half quarters, we're playing well enough to win the game uh but they fall 41-24 in a very deceptive uh spinal score there against the hilltoppers of western kentucky uh seth i will ask you this and we'll kind of dig deep deeper into it first blush what was your initial kind of reaction to to the bulls uh loss on saturday to western kentucky
1: well it, it sounds weird to say when the other team scores 41 points but I was really excited or really pleased with how the defense played um and and we'll get into that we've got some kind of more advanced numbers and we'll, we'll talk through that kind of on the, on the on the ponderosa um but I thought the defense played well they made it tough on a really good offense and you just can't you're not going to win games uh turning the ball over when they didn't where they did um you just take too many and there was other just missed opportunities and stuff that will show on the film room but man they they had some chances to to put up some more points couldn't take advantage and and that's what happens. they're still you know these guys have not won a lot of games so they're still learning how to win how to finish they played really well and just couldn't quite finish it but this is one of the better teams you're going to play this year, I think, right? Just based on preseason stuff, this is probably the Conference USA champ, a team that's got a really good chance to win 10-plus games, likely. Um, And you played them pretty well, and I think there's some – I'm trying to find it. There's some post-game win expectancy numbers that had USF as should have won the game at like 56% post-game win expectancy. So that's pretty good uh, against a team that you were a pretty big underdog to.
2: Yeah, I I mean, same boat kind of thing. I mean, I kind of said this in jest, but I was also kind of serious. I I really didn't care what the final score was after, like, the first quarter um, because I kind of more or less wanted to see how the team was prepared and how the team reacted to, like, the first couple of punches. Um, Knowing what we know about Western Kentucky, that team is a lot more set up for success long term. Um, You know, they're they're able to kind of roll with punches a little bit more. They've been punched in the mouth a few times. And they're able to kind of make themselves back up, but for a brand new team, brand new coach, you know, uh, a quarterback going out there on his what fourth career start, third career start, um, yeah, you know, I, I think Byram third, yeah, it, I think that first quarter summarized it perfectly. I think the 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 team was uh, like the yardage was like two hundred and sixty-two yards by USF to like sixty by Kentucky, like that. I that is that would have never. You couldn't have put that on a bingo card. I wouldn't have gotten that. USF was able to gain and own it by that much and limit a really, really dangerous quarterback that severely. And I mean, the defensive backs were flying around. The linebackers were playing well. The, the defensive linemen were getting into the backfield every once in a while. But that Western Kentucky offense is is hard to penetrate. So, to me, I just I stopped caring after the first quarter because I was like, oh, they're well coached, perfect. That's all I need to know. Everything else is just going to be. A kind of fluff and filler at this point from the rest of the, from the rest of the game.
1: Yeah. And if you see kind of what the, we're sharing here, um, this is uh, CFB numbers, I think at CFB numbers on Twitter um, and his, his postgame win expectancy as, as USF as a 56.6. I don't think he includes, I'm not sure if um, penalties are included in this, uh, that nope, doesn't include penalties. You can see uh, that was, I thought, the big killer for a lot of the game was, um, especially it's a killer of tempo too, because they're built to, you know, I saw some complaints about the, the run up the middle. The offense is built to empty the box out, light boxes run on light boxes, and when they add people to stop the run, you hit huge passes. So they're still built as kind of, and you see the success rate was pretty good 40.4%, but it wasn't as good as the, when it, the offense is really going, right? So the those penalties really took you out of the ability to just stay ahead of the sticks and then take your shots because you're ahead of the sticks and can afford to. When you get into first and 17 and first and 20 and things like that multiple times, you're going to get off the field really fast. Your defense may get a little tired. And those are just the things that I thought killed them really, penalties and turnovers. And some of those are within your control a little bit too. So... I think you could only be encouraged. Obviously, you would like to have won the game, but um we've seen some really discouraging openers, even with wins. <laughs> uh like Citadel, I, I remember the Citadel game, and yeah. I'm like, nobody can get open against Citadel. Like they won 27 to 6, but there was nobody open at all. So I was like, that's not great. Um I feel a lot better after this first game this year. So um, I think there's some things they can do. And then now it's about right. Two weeks in a row. Exactly. That's, that's, that's been the biggest issue last three. they They'll play great one week and then next week, what happens?
3: Exactly. Um,
0: you know, if you had told me that USF would outgain Western by almost a hundred yards, I would have been like, all right, that's a dub. Like you, you don't really do that. Like this Western team is built to, put up points, put up yards, um, and it just it didn't translate. Those turnovers came at crucial times. You you score an opening drive touchdown. You force them to punt. And, I mean, it was the defense's first shot on the field for the 2023 season, and they showed up. You force a punt, and then two plays later, just Byron Brad just does not see kind of the, the linebacker safety kind of lurking in the middle there and it just – He's able to drive down on the ball and in, for an easy interception. That one was a killer. Obviously, the one in the fourth quarter when they're trailing uh 31-24. they they drove down the field, a couple of uh defensive penalties, put them inside the four-yard line, stares down the receiver, picked off, and then that was kind of it. And then obviously the the strip sack scoop, scoop and score. You know, that really puts the game out of reach. But it Goldish said it during his press conference on Tuesday. That the 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 interception at the goal line was the one that basically put the final nail in the coffin. And, um, you know, but it's Byron's but still technically he's a, he's a true, he's a red shirt freshman for, uh, what five career games. This was his third start. Um, for everything else that went wrong, he did pretty well. Uh, you know, 25 carries, 180 yards, two touchdowns. That's, uh, that's pretty impressive um, from, from that guy. And he's a big dude and he can, he can make guys miss. And he, he, uh, he doesn't mind the contact. So I'm excited to see what he does uh, going forward, make sure he stays healthy. The only gripe that I have with the first half, uh, I think it was, I believe it was the first half. It was that fourth and one pitch where they went, hurry up and uh, went under center. And uh, there was the fourth and one pitch it was the only time that they were, uh, they got stopped on fourth down. I thought that was super frustrating, but you try to catch them off guard uh, I'm okay with any everything else
1: and they ran it earlier in the game and converted on it and and turned it into like a four or five yard uh run uh, it was It was kind of similar where it looked a little bit stacked up uh but it, they ran it to the opposite side earlier in the game and were able to convert so it must be just you know when you go really fast, you can only have so you there may you may have only so many things in for like a game plan for the week like fourth down call fourth and short calls. So that's obviously when they liked, or maybe they'd already cycled back through. Uh, They just flipped it to the boundary. Uh, But yeah, that one, and this will be on the film room. That was one that you just, if you got the block, you would have had the play. You just missed the corner and he was able to come in and make the play.
0: And talking about actually getting the block and just not reading the block correctly. uh, And was it the first, it was, I think it was, I believe it was in the first quarter early in the first half.
1: 14-7. You're up 14-7 driving.
0: Drive in, and I think that drive stalls out, and they kick the field goal. up seventeen. Yeah,
1: that was a third down. They they kick the field goal. The next play instead of going for it, uh,
0: um Mikey Dukes has the outside block, and he's he's gone for a touchdown. If he cuts it inside, like it's there, it's not. You know, you I saw it in the moment, and I screamed at the TV like, "What are you doing?" And uh it was like one of those things. And I'm sure he saw it on the game film on Sunday when they watched it back, and I'm sure he's heard about it since then golly that's different man that's 21 uh, 7 that's different
3: 17 7 for sure
1: yeah that's uh it changes things a little bit
3: Ugh. but uh so someone in the ponderosa um kind of asked us
0: about snap counts and things like that we thought with our newfound endeavor Um, We want to give you guys the best assets and everything. Um, So we're going to – I want to dive a little bit into it. You guys will get the more in-depth stuff in the Ponderosa. Um, Subscribe to the Patreon and uh, become a patron. You can – as low as 5 bucks a month will get you access to a bunch of great stuff. But I thought the snap counts were pretty interesting, especially on defense. They rotated a bunch of guys, and some certainly that I did not expect – to see the amount of playing time that, that they received. Hello, Michael Williams.
1: i just kind of, I think they played 10 defensive linemen,
3: 10 plus plays. That's remarkable.
0: That's good, yeah. right?
1: 13. All every. So they played 10 defensive linemen, 13 or more plays. Yeah. Michael Williams played 22 plays, which is the same as Jason Vaughn, who, um, you know, played a ton last year. Some thought he's going to be a starter this year. um, and then, but it, well, interestingly enough, like we thought, D line, you didn't have a ton of depth, so maybe you, you wouldn't play a lot of guys. <laughs> they basically played two line, the same two linebackers, just about the entire game. Yeah. and that's a position yeah. where, like, they got some depth <laughs> at linebacker. I mean, I picked Jamie Petway. He does. He only does is play special teams now, apparently. But Schuler played sixty nine snaps. Gordon played sixty three snaps. And then you had. Mata Afa played 16. He was the next kind of linebacker. And Mac Harris was the only other one that played. It's seven snaps. So um, that was interesting. And then, uh, yeah, played a ton of corners. Now, some of that was um, – you had a couple guys play more than others. But uh, Amaris Brown played a ton. He But he got he cramped up, had to go out, so he had some other guys get in. Um, but, yeah, they played a ton of dudes on And Let me count how many – you guys vamp, and I'll count how many guys had at least nine-plus snaps. Yeah, the, can I talk about the most pleasant kinda...
2: surprise? Oh, go on, oh you're going to say ahead. the same thing, probably. No, you go. Can, hold on, on I'm, I'm, I'm the same count of three. Ready, one, two, three. Uh, no, Logan I, I think Hill. The, the oh. most, pl- the pl- most pleasant surprise of all. Logan Barry Hill, man, he played fantastic. I mean, right from the get-go. I mean, they they asked a lot out of him. It looked like, and and boy, howdy, he delivered pretty much the entire time. Uh, During the game, he had a a couple of big hits, uh, a lot of passes defended. That's a guy who you know originally came to USF as a as a wide receiver. It's six foot three, six foot four. Never saw the field of receiver, bounced between receiver and and safety over the last like three seasons, and finally seeing him on the field and finally seeing him like validated was was so nice. I was like, I saw thirty seven. I thought it was a typo. I was like, there's no way they're playing Logan Berry. They're starting Logan Berry Hill. He's matching up right. against Malachi Corley, like <laughs> they're it's, really utilizing him.
0: It was, it was one of those uh, things because they talked about him in the spring. Like, Hey, he, he's really coming along. We talked about him in fall camp. And it's like one of those guys that actually kind of translates the spring and fall camp hype into actually performing pretty well on the field. I'm really excited for him. Uh, Jalen Stokes also did phenomenal and probably his most extensive playing time of his career. I think that that's the most exciting thing about this defense. Like we were, re- bye guys. Love you. <laughs> Time for bed for the kids. Um, The, the guy, we were definitely worried about the, the secondary and there were some, you know, hiccups, you know, Tavin Ward had the, the you know, the touchdown against them, things like that, but not, not the worst. I, I, I feel a lot better after game one against this kind of offense where they'll spread you out, you know, granted Malachi Corley got hurt uh so a little bit different but there's still still a lot of talent on that western team so i'm excited where the defense can be they just need to create some more pressure and get a couple of turnovers
1: yeah so just counting up real quick they had 24 guys play nine at least nine snaps on defense 23 uh played double digits uh that's a lot of dudes and then stokes and barry hill were the top two at safety so the, i mean those are kind of your and the, the next guy so barry hill played 55 Next was Chris Town- Towns with 21. One thing that was super interesting to me, and, and uh, we put some of these numbers and some other interesting numbers uh, in a piece for the Patreon uh, written piece uh, on the Ponderous for everybody, $5 and up. And then we're going to go um, talk in more detail for the $10 and up tier and the extra podcast this week as we preview FAMU. So one thing we said last week, the, the depth chart came out and some people are like, oh, they're going to run a three, four. And we said they are not running a 3-4 against Western Kentucky. Like, I don't care what this depth chart says, they're not running that, right? We talked about, I think you asked, Golish about tight front. They ran a decent bit of tight front. They ran basically a 3-2-6 to start the game. So your starters were uh, Tremel Logan and Lloyd Summerall as like your ends in the three-man line. Doug Blue Ely or Eli as the nose. Then Schuler Gordon. And then you played three safeties and three corners Clark, Brown, and Daquan Evans, Jalen Stokes, Logan Berryhill, and Will Jones all played. So it was not the 3 4. It was uh, 3 2 6. And we said that was what it was going to be last week because there's no you cannot match up against Western with uh, not. Andrew Mataafa covering Malachi Corley. Like that's not going to work. So, um, yeah, you heard it here first. <laughs>
0: Uh, and if you're a Patreon subscriber of $25 more, you you heard it here first because so QB1 was going to be about two oh,
1: weeks yes. before let's, they uh, even announced it. Let's give Nathan a round of applause for that. I mean, look at us. So, yeah, so uh, <clears throat> we talked about it on Twitter, but uh, a little bit on the game day. But And let me tell you, I, I trust Nathan, but as they were announcing the starter on the radio, my butthole was puckered. <laughs> Because this is kind of like the <laughs> this is like the first big thing uh, for us out on our own. Um, August 22nd, Nathan put on the Patreon, or we, we we put on, but he reported that Byron Brown was going to be the starting quarterback for the Western Kentucky game. And this is while Bohana was still practicing. Like, he was still at practice. It wasn't like, you know, Archie was the second guy. And, like, the, it, it, he was there practicing. Uh, but Nate called a shot. I think he even said, like, three days before. On the preview that you thought is going to be viral. and then you went to practice and kind of confirmed it, but nobody else had that, and we had it August twenty second, courtesy of Mister Nathan Bond. So,
3: very good.
0: This is this is why you got to uh, join the Patreon if you haven't already. And uh, yeah, if the, you're a twenty five
1: dollars tier member, Nathan told you on the twenty second, so you know for two and a half weeks.
3: Um, I mean, I'll be honest, like the grades for pff i'm iffy on but like
0: the inside stuff it's gonna be worth. it's gonna be worth your five bucks a month folks i mean it's it's just it's worth it even for basically 60 bucks for the year you're getting what we're we're giving you uh like by yourself it's like a hundred bucks yeah we're gonna gonna sift
1: through yeah we're gonna do a weekly uh like data dump kind of some of it'll be snap count stuff some of it'll be um you know advanced stats stuff as we start to kind of find our sources and aggregate things um but the, yeah we, we've got some really good data to share uh we shared a little bit in written posts and we'll talk about it again later but uh yeah for five bucks a month we'll get the written thing every week and that'll be Uh, pretty good. And then once we get going a little bit, we'll be able to understand who's going to redshirt probably pretty quick. And we'll kind of have a redshirt tracker and all that stuff going, but um,
3: there was interesting stuff for this first game. I agree. Um, The, the splits at
0: uh, at running back were also kind of interesting. Napon Wright got uh, a good chunk of it and he was pretty effective uh, rushing the ball. Um, I believe he led the running back room in snaps. Yeah, he had 58 snaps. Yeah, he he
1: had more than the other two combined.
3: It seems like we expect he was going to be the starter um, for for this team, and it it
0: bore out. He was really impressive on that very opening drive. A couple of great runs. Um, I think his pass pro was decent i think that they're still looking to figure out who's going to be the guy pass bro it's you know they they cycle like the defense they cycled out like hockey lines their defensive line they're kind of doing that you know every other possession for running backs and things like that so i think i would assume probably by rice we'll kind of figure out what how they're going to utilize these guys and you know all right Right takes the first two possessions and then you throw in Kelly Joyner or, you know, you, you throw in K-1 Powell, things like that. Mikey Dukes gets a, gets a series just because of how fast they go. Uh, I think Golsh has even said it. It's pretty tough to keep those guys out there for the 102 yeah. snaps or whatever um, with no rest. So that's that's going to be an interesting uh, thing kind of going forward to take a look at.
1: Yeah, And the, the Kelly Joyner of it all is interesting to me. Uh, 40, he played 45 snaps of the night. I don't know if he played any at running back. And so he didn't, I don't think he had any actual touches. Uh, so that's one thing that I think like you've got to figure out to get him, how to get him touches. He's one of your more explosive players. Um, and if you're not going to play him at running back for, you know, if you need him at receiver, then you got to generate. Now they tried with some screens and things like that, that just didn't hit. Uh, but they've got to figure out a way to get him the ball a little bit more. Um, interesting on the running back room. I think Dukes came in second, but Powell ended up with more, more plays on the night, which I thought was interesting. Mm-hmm. And I'd say what, well, like the way he runs, he's like downhill 100 miles an hour. And once you get these teams a little tired, he came in. That last drive where they threw the pick in the end zone, Powell basically just was like hitting the hole 1,000 miles an hour And these tired dudes are trying to tackle him. And he was just picking up chunks of yards and chunks of yards. And they move the ball down the field and then they throw the pick in the end zone. But I thought, like, as a like a human battering ram coming in there late when people are tired? It's interesting, like a mix of style. Uh, A guy like him that runs really hard, uh, I think will will kind of be really interesting change up and wear on people. Or the other guys are a little bit shiftier and maybe not quite as right down your throat. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, and a a couple of things kind of jump out, at least from the wide receiver spot. Naeem Simmons plays 82 snaps. Sean Atkins, 63. Chaffrey Brown, 72. Uh, Jaden Alexis, basically the first guy off the bench almost, 45 snaps. Uh, And then Christian Elms gets four snaps.
3: Like Of the transfers, only Jaden Alexis and and Naeem Simmons actually see the field. Kind of reported –
0: Two uh, two Two and a half weeks ago, Michael Brown Stevens had a kind of a wrap on his knee and he was kind of nursing some things. I did see him at practice a couple days later, so um, it it was interesting to kind of see that, but uh, didn't play. Um, obviously, Seth Jones is still working back from uh, his injury. Um, it, the depth of wide receiver uh, didn't really show up. That I was kind of hoping for. Uh, I know they played what three different tight ends as well, so I guess they lined Jason Littlejohn up as a. He, he's listed as a fullback kind on of PFF, but um, we kind of we kind of know
1: they used him. They used him in some like two tight end stuff a few times. He was kind of the off off tight end, I think. Um, hmm. But yeah, Weston Wolf was ended up getting the most snaps. I thought, um, you know, no use of Terry was kind of interesting. He had a pretty good spring. I got hurt a little bit, but. He didn't see any time and um you know naim Simmons I don't think ended up with a ton of production, but he saw the most snaps. And then Choffee Brown made the big play. My guy Choffrey. I thought I think he fits, man. Um, and you see why he can go and get it vertically. So he's gonna be a big weapon in the offense, I think. Yeah. Um yeah. and you one, gotta see that a little bit.
3: One tidbit um uh about that
0: that play so i mean it was an absolute dime uh from Byron Brown to Chopper Brown on the uh to uh, for that 84 yard touchdown um 10 yards or more down the field Byron Brown was 1 for 12 on Saturday that's going to have to improve for this offense to see any success they're going to i think you'll see you know FAMU Alabama Rice Navy they're going to do their best to stack the box after the, especially after this week, when you run for 360 plus yards, yeah, they're going to stack the box after, after seeing that Byron's got to be a lot better than one for 12 on 10, 10 yards down the field and more. That's kind of the one kind of inside stuff, uh, things that kind of popped out at me looking at the PFS stuff.
1: Yeah. And I, I, think that's, uh, I posted in the, like just outside of the game, I posted in the game thread, uh, but also in the just in the general USF football section in the Discord just right after the game. But this isn't like crazy unprecedented in terms of being able to run the ball really well early and the passing game taking a little bit of time. Um, Tennessee's first game, they played Bowling Green, I believe. It, 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 Golish's first game at Tennessee. Golish and their first game at Tennessee. Tennessee ran for 300-plus yards, and they finished like 12 of 24 passing. Does that sound familiar? Right. Like it's kind of, it it takes time because not only does the quarterback, because, you know, have to understand the receivers have to understand, you know, there may have been times where Byram's thinking the guy's going to break here and he doesn't. So he looks like he's holding the ball really long when maybe it was a receiver's fault. And it's hard to know that without being in the building. But I, I think, you know, the concerns about the passing game. And and we'll we'll lay out some some more advanced stuff. I think they can be fixed, so I'm not super worried about it yet. Um, I think that's something those guys can figure out, and we'll come with a little more experience from all the guys in
3: the offense. Where was Manny Hickman? Yeah, no play. So uh, I, it's interesting. Like
0: uh, I think
1: there are a few. Uh, there seems like there's a few undisclosed injuries, possibly. It's
0: it yeah. definitely seems seems like that Ben Knox not being a list as the starter and or And, uh, he, I guess pregame was announced, uh, got a knee injury. Um, I don't think we got an update on that with goalish. So we'll have to figure out what's going on with him there. Um, uh, it seemed like by all accounts, he was having a good camp as well. And then, uh, I think that the thing that kind of tipped off that maybe Manny Hicken either didn't travel or was not healthy was, uh, Jaquez Williams and, uh, Dewan cease getting 27 combined snaps. Yeah. I think those snaps probably should have gone to him. That's that is probably the, uh,
1: we did have somebody in the game thread say, did I just see Hickman in street close? I remember seeing that during the game. So he, yeah, uh, he may have traveled, but not been healthy or not been able to play. So, so you
3: know, something to keep an eye on going forward. Um, as we dig
0: deeper into, uh, FAMU stuff. Uh, Do we want to discuss it or do we want to do like what's I I saw one thing um, that kind of popped out uh, Bill Connolly's SP plus has FAMU beating USF and the win expectancy being about 60% for for a 27, 27, 27,
3: 23
0: FAMU win. Um, SP plus does factor heavily uh, the prior season in the first few weeks of the year. Uh, I don't know if you guys recall, but USF lost, what, 11 straight last year. And now we're at 12 straight. That's
2: if my math is correct. Uh, and uh, Florida A&M has won 10 straight games so in the uh, national championship. So tracks make sense. <laughs> yeah.
1: I, I I mean I hope a line comes out that's close. I, I would, I'm really interested. They usually don't release these uh, FCS lines till later in the week, but I'm interested to see what this line is because I if it's I I don't think it's going to be a close game. But that's just me.
0: Our friend Colin is yeah. in Vegas, so if we uh, if we get that line out before he leaves, I I may stake uh, some money on it. If uh, if them use favorite,
1: we're putting a lot of Patreon <laughs> subs. Uh, we're gonna put. We're, gonna, yeah,
0: <laughs> we're <laughs> gonna put the entire month of August on USF if they're if they
1: are <laughs> the underdog. Yeah, they're we're fu- we're putting all the Patreon money on. Uh, that's what it's for, right there. Just to to, to fuel some uh, irresponsible I'm, betting. I'm
3: per- right.
0: I'm pretty sure that's what it's there for.
1: Yes. It's there for if if USF is ever an underdog to an FCS team. That's a, <laughs> there's, a there's That's a, in the spine print down there. Yeah. Yeah, for sure.
0: Um I think we'll kind of dig deeper into <laughs> FAMU later on in the week. Um as I don't know if you guys can hear Brody going absolutely nuts right now. Uh in the background. <laughs> yeah. Um, is there any final thing and, and we'll seems silly to kind of pick the game. There's no line. I guess we pick it, even picking it straight up kind of is pointless. Um, but is there any final thing that you guys want from Western to kind of get off your chest
2: as we turn the page to FAMU? I, I think the big thing for me was, was the preparation going into the week. Um, you know, how they prepared the first fight that they chose you know the plays that happened there, the first defensive set, honestly the first half from the defense, um, you know, I, I think was spectacular. I I that's where I feel very confident about the direction that Golish is gonna take uh USF uh in the future. I think mean, that's something to hang his hat on. Yes, they didn't win. Um his post game comments kind of said it the most and his comments today also said, you know, hey there there's really a rely in with the game. You know, yeah, we can talk about how well he we played but that's what matters at the end of the that's the easy thing to say really um but the bridge, you know having everyone prepared having all the guys <laughs> flying around um you know I think is is a consolation of of the effort that they put into these and, and their ethics yes the analytics are analytics seeing too close to the sun here with the Florida a and m usF game I'm not putting anything on analytics uh, for this game I think uh I think this is a game you have to go on the vibes and I think the vibes are telling a better story if you watched
1: both of the previous game, both these teams. Yeah, I, I mean, I thought USF looked prepared, right? That was a maybe. That's a big difference from previous years, but they looked prepared on both sides of the ball. They played hard. Um, they just made some mistakes, and you had some young guys make young guy mistakes that are tough to overcome when you're playing a team that's probably a little bit better than you, or even, even if you considered an even match, it's hard to overcome those mistakes when the other team doesn't make them. So. I was I was encouraged, but right, it's got to now just do it again, right? I think that's the biggest thing. Can you do it again? Because this team has not shown the ability to do it again the last three
3: or four years. So, and with that, we'll sign off here, and we'll uh, we'll follow back up with you guys uh, as we gear up toward. Saturday at
0: 7 p.m. I think it's ESPN Plus. Um, so, question for you guys. I wasn't sure. I was, so, I was at Samantha's parents' house. So, it's like the ESPN Plus app doesn't really work when I'm using, like, a different spectrum internet. Where all of the games blacked out for you guys because of the Disney spectrum stuff? Like, if you tried to, like, use the app? I
1: think TV. if you... I think if you... Yeah, I'm a YouTube TV guy. But I think if you... If it's like a game that's on ESPN and it's like a watch ESPN game, I think they're blacked out because yeah, uh, awesome. my dad was trying to watch the Florida game and it cut out right at kickoff and he had no way to get it on for like <laughs> 10 minutes for 15 minutes. So he was trying yeah, to figure yeah. it out, but, uh, and he's like, I tried to watch it on the thing, but I think it's an ESPN plus game. That's a separate service outside of your cable. So I think if it's on ESPN plus and you have it, you should be good regardless of your cable subscription. You may want to test that out. Was another game before just, <laughs> right. in, just in case but i think that's how it, i think that's how it goes yeah hopefully that
0: gets resolved soon because it would be unfortunate i think alabama's oh is, Al- is it the alabama game on cbs or ABC?
1: espn i think
0: oh god okay yeah we gotta figure it. they need to come together and figure this out just just for our purposes. <laughs> I, saw, um,
1: I saw somewhere Comcast said if they don't get a better price, they'll just stop with cable. They'll just stop doing cable altogether. <laughs> or Charter said that, I guess. They'll stop doing cable. Okay. Say less.
3: All right. Well, with that, uh, appreciate you guys tuning in. Uh, stay safe. Have fun. Couples. Go Couples. Go Couples. Go